Welcome to The Word This Week, where we believe that the Bible is more than just words on a page. They are the words we live by, and it's pretty cool too. We invite you to join us as we read through the Bible together this year. Welcome back to The Word This Week. I'm your guest host, Jimmy Thorpe, and this is episode 42. It's been a real pleasure to study God's Word together this year, and today's podcast is a pretty momentous one. This podcast marks the end of the Old Testament. Now, don't get me wrong. The Old Testament is rich and stock full of wisdom and miracles and grace, but it's also punctuated by God's people time and again failing to keep their promises and God, a covenant keeper, meeting them with both love and justice. Some of the most important themes of the Old Testament are that God's glory has been revealed through His creation, provision, judgment, deliverance, His covenant, and His promises. And I guess the greatest promise of the Old Testament is that a Messiah is coming to make all things right. We know this Messiah is Jesus, but listen to the words of Isaiah in chapter 53, long, long before he was even born. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs of him and we looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried, It was our sorrows that weighed him down, and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. The entirety of the Old Testament is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. He put it this way in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. This week's reading leads us through Nehemiah and 1 Chronicles. But I'd like to zoom out a little bit from exclusively those particular passages and attempt to give us an Old Testament wrap-up as well, if you will. I'd like to look at the books of Ezra and Nehemiah together as one work that dovetail together to hopefully give us some deeper insight to this time period for the nation of Israel. So, after the Babylonians destroyed the temple, 50 years later, a remnant of God's people returned to Jerusalem with the permission of the reigning Persian ruler. In the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, we see a couple significant events happen. The rebuilding of the temple, a revival of the teaching of the Torah, which is the word of God to God's people, and the rebuilding of the city walls. There's a man named Zerubbabel, who was the governor of Judea, and he tasked himself with the permission of the Persians, mind you, to rebuild the temple. Uh, and, and he set about to do that, and as he did it, Uh, One thing that was kind of strange, he forced non-exiled believers away from helping, uh, which which is is very strange. He he was very selective on who could help rebuild the temple. And there was some some grief amongst the believers at that time, and that was very uh, a, a moment of dissonance. So then comes Ezra, and he tasks himself with teaching the Torah to God's people to try to revitalize their faith 
and to help them make new commitments and restore their relationship to God. But then he realizes many Israelites had married non-exiles and non-Israelites. So he makes a divorce decree, which is strangely contradictory to his contemporary Malachi's viewpoint, who reminds us that God hates divorce in Malachi chapter 2. In verse 15, it says, Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart, remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart and do not be unfaithful to your wife. Then comes Nehemiah, and he tasks himself with rebuilding the city walls. And he declares that the people surrounding Jerusalem have no part of Jerusalem, and that it's a closed city, and that it's unopened to the outside world, which again seems really contrary to God's desire for Jerusalem to be a city without walls, as he outlines in his vision he gave to Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter 2, a city that draws other nations to encounter a holy God and for him to adopt them as his own people. So then Ezra and Nehemiah get together. They join forces to try to bring about spiritual renewal. They have festivals, they teach the Torah, they do the Feast of the Tabernacles, the people are confessing their sins, and they, and they also commit to follow the Torah, which is amazing, and then they celebrate, and everything's looking up. But then Nehemiah finds that people aren't keeping up with their promises, and they're being unfaithful, and they're working on the Sabbath, and there's markets that line the city walls, they're violating Torah, and so he beats them up and curses them and pulls their hair. It's, it's crazy. In the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, we begin with hope, and it all starts very well and well-intentioned, but we see if we're left to ourselves and we follow our own ways, we falter and we fail. And it really summarizes the Old Testament very well, if you ask me, because it's just so clear that we need a new heart. You know, the, the New Testament uh, talks about how Jesus did the thing that the law couldn't do, which was to make men righteous. And, and, and he surely did. He, he, he took our hearts that were so self-focused and self-driven and, 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 and self-governed and, and, and gave us a new one and, and allowed us to hide our identity in him. Uh, and, and to live our lives through Him and not of ourselves. We needed a whole new heart in order to please God and to follow His ways. In this week's reading, we also went through First Chronicles, and it's a giant genealogy, uh, all the passage that we were reading. And, and this genealogy focuses on the diversity of people in a family line, the importance of family, um, prophecy, and promise. That, that's that's the, the key reasons to have a genealogy in the Bible and in this text. And the book of Matthew opens with a long genealogy as well, from Abraham to Jesus, showing that God had a plan and made a way through a tremendously diverse group of people to fulfill His covenant promise. Well, now that we've finished the Old Testament, what happens between Malachi and Matthew? Well, that's called the intertestamental period. <laughs> I try to say that five times fast. The intertestamental period is a period of time that there was no prophetic word from God uh, from Malachi to John, the days of Malachi to the days of John. I thought it might be helpful to give you a highlight reel of what took place during those 403 years. Okay, so buckle up. Here we go. 
So the Persians rule in the times of Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, and they also rule in the first hundred years of their intertestamental period. And then Alexander the Great is born, rises to power, and defeats Persia. We have an age of Hellenism, uh, where the, the Greek influence is taken all over that, that area of the world. They set about to have a common language, which is Koine Greek, where everyone is kind of speaking the same language, or they have some kind of language that they all can conversate in, um, in that part of the world. And it's in that time, the Old Testament is translated to the, uh, into Greek, which is called the Septuagint, which is, uh, the Old Testament in Greek and also some apocryphal works. And then there's a Seleucid king, and I'm about to butcher his name, is Antichus Epiphanes. Anyway, he's gone now, but he rules after Alexander dies. And I don't mind messing up his name because he was a horrible dude. He defiles the temple and he overthrew the priesthood, which was terrible for, for the people of Judea. And then the Maccabean Jewish revolt happens and they restored the rightful priests and rescued the temple. And then another ruler from Rome comes along called Pompey and he conquers Jerusalem and he sets up Caesars to rule over Judah. Now it's gonna start sounding familiar. Then the Pharisees and the Sadducees rise to power. The Pharisees followed the Old Testament and Torah, but they added their laws to it. And honestly, they, really fancied their laws maybe even more than Torah. Uh, and then there's the Sadducees who were heavily influenced by the Greeks and Hellenism and were proud of it. They wielded power through the Sanhedrin and they rejected all but the Mosaic books of the Old Testament. They refused to believe in the resurrection and were generally like shadows of the Greeks whom they greatly admired. So neither one of them great, which really all this stuff uh, is, it's pretty amazing to see the timeline in the intertestamental period because it makes a way uh, for Jesus. The reason why the New Testament is written in Greek is because that was that common language. So there was a language that could be spoken and that gospel message could go throughout the world much, much easier. So if you look at it that way, all these things, the, both highs and lows, uh, culminate in, in making a way for Jesus. And our next reading is going to come uh, in the New Testament from Mark chapter 1. And I just, I, I couldn't help myself. I have to read this before we end this podcast. Mark chapter 1 and verse 1 says, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. Boy, that intertestamental period felt like a wilderness. The sound of silence is deafening. Can you imagine being those people waiting to hear a word from the Lord for new hope and new direction and being met with weight and being met with silence? Boy, that would feel lonely. Boy, that would feel like a wilderness. But there is one calling out in the wilderness saying, prepare the way for the Lord, make a straight path for him. And as we read the New Testament, we see the Old Testament is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And he, in his time, will make all things well. I cannot wait to study the New Testament with you and dive into the life and times of Jesus. But until then, 
Thanks for listening to The Word This Week. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, we want to thank the River Community Church for sponsoring this podcast. And if you're in Cookville and looking for a church home, we'd love to invite you to come out and you can check out more about us at theriverCC.com. Thanks and join us next time on The Word This Week.